gosh. Welcome to Truth Is All Podcast. Um, we're here with you. I've, I'm Ed. I got the beautiful Megan, the lovely Scott here, and we have a very special guest, uh, Dr. Kendra Becker. And this yep. this is kind of a monumental moment for us because you are our first doctor to come on our podcast, and really? we're very excited to have you. Um, and so, Dr. Kendra, so you're an integrated physician. You've been practicing for um, 10 plus years in your own practice now. 15, um, even though I'm 15. not a day over 25. Just of course. Yeah, exactly. of course. Of course. <laughs> and before that, you spent uh, 10 years as a practicing ICU nurse. Um, mm-hmm. You're known as Connecticut's 4A specialist, uh, focusing on asthma, autism, allergies, uh, atopy, or eczema. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're a naturopathic doctor. Um, you specialize in the MTHFR and genetic mutations. You're also mm-hmm. known as the genetic genius. Um, and you're an author, a uh, celebrated author of A Delicious Way to Heal the Gut and All You Can Eat, mm-hmm. as well as hosting your week, a weekly television program, The Holistic Health Hour. Correct. So, um, yeah, a lot of great credentials. And I know um, for us, uh, you know, the, the health side of this truth journey has been uh, – a, a very big part of our journey. Right. Right. So like we're, and especially, you know, with everything going on right now, um, you know, it all, it all seems to tie in and connect together real nicely. So there's, mm-hmm. uh, um, it's, it's interesting anyways, to say the least. Um, yeah. I thought, uh, an easy way to kind of get going tonight is, uh, this week, interestingly enough, I took my son into my son, Johnny to a dermatologist mm-hmm. and, uh, I was pretty skeptical. We have a, a kind of a new naturopathic doctor we're, we're seeing that that, um, that works with our insurance. And I haven't met this person yet, but they recommended because he has pretty severe eczema. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we took, I took my son to this doctor and it was, uh, man, it was, it was very just Western medicine-y, uh, the, the classic, uh, you know, put this steroid cream on. And, and to me, I am, I look at medicine very differently these days. I, I really want to learn how to heal. I don't mm-hmm. want to uh, address the, the, putting the band-aids on. And uh, what, what I got was, you know, there's not really anything you can do. You can just kind of patch this hole until he's five or six, he'll probably grow out of it. You know, so I, I would like to hear from, from someone that specializes in this. So how, how do you look at eczema and uh, how do you address this kind of problem? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I did a great podcast. I'll send you the link sure. about specifically about eczema. So my focus, as you know, is genetics. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times with eczema, there is a genetic predisposition. Sure. What's fascinating about eczema is that it's such a preservative phenomenon that the body does. So when a child or an adult experiences or expresses eczema through their skin, it means that they have an internal toxicity that the body has identified as harmful. And the body is pushing that toxicity away from vital organs like the brain, the heart, the intestines, the liver. I mean, to me, I think it is one of the most beautiful pathologies that can actually exist. And so when we see it on the skin, it's terrible to look at, but we know that the body is actually working beneficially on the inside. And so you can't suppress it. And and um, don't send me hate mail, but I call dermatologist hookers because <laughs> they, they play it all on the yeah. first date. You know, they, they give they, they give you all that they've got, which 
is steroids and antibiotics and that's it. Mm -hmm. And then you come back after a visit or two and they're like, we don't know what to do, more steroids and more antibiotics. And by doing steroids in particular, it does cause exactly as you had said, a suppressive mechanism. So it drives the toxicity that the body is trying to rid itself of back into those organs that the body's trying to, pr to protect. So I really start with a very traditional kind of holistic approach and I heal the gut. In naturopathic medicine, we believe in removing the obstacles to cure. So you take away anything that could be an offending agent. So, you know, some toxic foods, things like gluten, dairy, corn, soy, sugars, dyes, things that we know are on the top eight or the top 12 allergy list. So that's number one. Sure. Number two, I take a good hard look at genetics because there are very specific genetics that are components of the detox pathways. And if those genetics are are impaired or they are what's called upregulating they're expressing themselves in a more vigorous or or uh even kind of deleterious way, then sometimes you have problems with the body's ability to be able to eliminate toxicity. So that's kind of the second step. And then the third thing is, is you just get rid of all of the inflammation. Mm -hmm. And so by getting rid of all the inflammation, it kind of cools the body down. So you don't see that red angry expression. Sure. It allows the body to actually secrete growth hormone, balance natural killer cells, balance the TH1 and TH2 of the immune system, and truly be able to heal at a cellular level. And then the fourth step is really just the actual categorical healing, whatever that is, whether it's a gut healing, you know, using probiotics to heal and seal the gut, whether it's immunoglobulins to balance what's what's out of whack in the gut, whether it's um, sealing the blood brain barrier, whether it's repairing or increasing lung compliance tissue, it all depends on really individually what that child or that person is going through. And so, you know, you talked about the, the inflammation and, and calming mm -hmm. that down. How do you how do you take care of the inflammation? I mean, once you change the inputs, essentially first, but. Right. Well, it's different for everybody, right? Yeah. So there are lots of cool, what they call cooling herbs in Ayurvedic medicine or Chinese medicine. Uh, I like fish oils. That's a great anti-inflammatory. Curcumin or turmeric is a great anti-inflammatory. Um, I actually created a product for my own practice that's full of immunoglobulins. And immunoglobulins are kind of uh, an assistant in the immune system to be able to identify toxins and pathogens and, and suppress inflammation. So I use a lot of immunoglobulins in my practice. It all depends. Sure. Sometimes, I mean, I I've seen raging eczema in little kid, little babies. And really the only problem is, is they're vitamin D deficient. Sure, I've seen sure. eczema that patients have had for 30 years on the bottoms of their hands. That was so bad. They were uncomfortable shaking hands before it was cool not to shake hands. And, you know, <laughs> in, in, and those are the patients, you know, that have been to five different dermatologists that have done all the steroids that have done all the biologics and they come in and I'm like, you know, you, you have some food allergies, like your, your detox pathways are impaired. We're going to do this, this, and this, and the eczema clears up in like three months after 30 years. It's, it's wild. It's absolutely mm -hmm. wild. It, it's funny because those are, those are kind of the questions I was asking. Is there an allergy? I'm asking yeah. a dermatologist this, and they're like, no. They're like, it was almost like that's uh, – that's which, which, witchcraft. Witchcraft. Exactly. How stupid are you, dumb patient, <laughs> to think that the things you put in your mouth are actually going to affect your body? That yeah. is absolute witchcraft, you yeah. little charlatan. Yeah. That's insane. Mean, it's it's yeah, ridiculous. Insane. Yeah. One, of, one of the things that uh, really stood out to what you just said, and, and I don't know, this might be a little off base, but from what little I know, and I don't know uh, how much 
you you feel the same way, but what little I know about like terrain theory, for example, right? You know, oh, I'm a terrain theorist. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it here. Let's let's get yeah, into it let's here because what I'm saying is like 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 when what I've heard, what very little I've heard is that like literally it's like a virus is like the body's what we call a virus is the body's natural reaction to pushing out the toxins, yeah. right? Yeah. And so what mm-hmm. kind of like the, the process that you were just describing there. So yeah. you know, mm-hmm. maybe some of our listeners aren't familiar with this whole concept of terrain theory, but I think oh, so much of it has to do with what we're seeing in the world today. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. So a terrain theorist is basically somebody that believes you are responsible for your own individual organism. You have total and complete control over your health, your well-being, and, and you control it based on your environment, um, the foods you eat, the stress you incur and the behaviors that you exhibit. And so by doing that and by having a full and true interaction with your environment, you actually build and balance your immune system instead of actually sterilizing everything and hoping to God that somebody or something doesn't infect you. Mm -hmm. In fact, I had a lawyer friend years ago who used to try criminal cases. And when he was um, betting jurists, he would ask the jurists if they were um, what makes them sick. That was the question he would ask. And if somebody says a virus or a germ or a bacteria and he was fighting for the defendant, he would excuse the jurist because somebody who believes uh, that doesn't believe like us, the terrain theory that believes a germ or a, a microorganism can make them sick is innately going to side with a victim. Mm, sure. sure so uh, for those of us, you know, and I'll tell you a funny story and, and it, it's going to make me sound cavalier and I'm, I'm not, well, I am kind of cavalier, but, you know, just to speak about everything that we've talked about with coronavirus and how, you know, we've really broken it down. And I, I spent a good amount of time with my um think tank, my uh, physician think tank early on, and we had sequenced this virus. We knew exactly who and how it was going to affect. And it really, the way we saw it back in December is we kind of saw the numbers we're seeing now around 60,000 deaths. We knew the vulnerable populations. We had seen the genetic subsets and, and we really thought the best thing to do was the things that they had done in Sweden, which is don't do anything crazy with mass gatherings. Um, be mindful for your immune system and go on with regular life, especially if you're young and healthy and get exposed and create a herd immunity. Yep. And so one of the things that we had, you know, kind of talked about in all of this is, is this fear mentality and how fear propagates illness and how staying away from people propagates illness and how there is this incredible, you know, it raises your cortisol, it raises your blood sugar. I mean, there's biological reasons why, why the, the, you know, the mainstream media and the government is using fear to be able to manipulate us. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to this whole terrain theory um, concept, which is if we believe that our bodies are strong enough and powerful enough to be able to fight off anything that, that we come in in contact with, and it's going to make us stronger, then we're going to be better humans when we come out of it on the other side. So you guys know I moved from the Northeast to Florida and mm-hmm. we spent, you know, several weeks driving back and forth with stuff and dogs and animals. And so I was at a rest stop and I don't wear a mask anywhere that I'm, you know, legally allowed not to, or in yeah. some places that I am. And uh, so I'm standing there <laughs> waiting for my cup of coffee. And there was a couple, an older couple that walked near me to get their coffee. We we're all kind of standing there. So I grabbed my things and I stepped out of the way. I'm not a jerk. I was trying to be considerate. And, um, the guy saw I didn't have a mask on and he had a mask on. He goes, oh, you don't have to move for me. He says, you know, I, I, I think this whole thing is 
Ratatouille, but he had a mask on. And I said, well, that's fine. I said, I was just trying to be considerate. And he was grabbing napkins. And so I said, well, you can take the napkins. I said, I'm not even going to take the napkins. I'm just going to lick my fingers. And he thought that was so funny <laughs> because it just goes back to this whole like terrain theory. Like, what are we doing to yeah, ourselves yeah. by over sanitizing and, and, you know, all these things that we're doing to, you know, the bleach, they couldn't keep the bleach on the shelves. My husband and I are sitting in our house and we were like, ew, like we don't buy bleach on a, on a bad day. Why would we buy it now? Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. So I want to get back to, um, you know, you said that, that you and and your uh, doctor friends, you sequenced the virus early mm-hmm. on. So I, and I have a question, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've heard uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, um, you know, and Dr. Thomas Cowan, who I, I really like, too, yeah. who said that, you know, um, that, they, that this virus has never actually been isolated. Mm-hmm. They've And what do you say to that? So has it been isolated to make a vaccine? I don't think that it has. It's a coronavirus. Coronaviruses have been around since the beginning of time. Animals are loaded with them. They are common and ubiquitous in our uh, culture and in our population, similar to a rhinovirus, a standard head cold. Um, Coronaviruses are very, very easily mutatable and they are and they rapidly mutate. And so there is a lot of suspicion that this was a biological virus. It was a, a SARS virus that they had, you know, inserted a spike protein from HIV and a couple of other things into. So because of that, when you mutate a biological virus and there is a patent for it, what happens is, is over time, as it continues to replicate, because viruses, as you know, are not alive and they require a susceptible host. So again, you know, when we're talking about fear and manipulation, like the only way that you're going to catch a virus is if you're a susceptible host. So if you don't eat a lot of sugar and you sleep well and you practice forgiveness, you know, because anger makes you lowers your immune system and things like that. You have a much better chance of not being a susceptible host and not catching the virus. And if you do, then you have a powered up immune system that is going to create an antibody to it. And you're going to go on to, you know, be exposed to the next virus because we live among 380,000 viruses on the daily. So with this virus, there's been so many mutations. I think at one point the, the, I heard early on it was like eight and now I heard it's up to 200. And so I don't really know what they've done as far as isolating the virus for a vaccine, because something with coronavirus, they haven't been able to find a coronavirus, make and and manufacture an effective coronavirus vaccine for the last 70 years. Mm -hmm. So, and as you all know, I mean, vaccine theory in general is pretty flawed, especially because things like the polio and the tetanus vaccine came out in the 50s and 60s, but they didn't even realize that the immune system consisted of B cells and and T cells, which is what actually garners immunity till the 80s. So it's like, okay, yeah, Yeah. I have a bridge to sell you too. So, but yes, so we looked at the DNA of the original virus and we also knew by the summer that the, the, the mutated virus had, there was a very large, highly suspect that it had returned to the original SARS virus that they had originally attempted to mute to, um, to genetically modify. Mm. So now I'm just trying to understand all this. Uh, So, so when you sequence this virus and you see the DNA, is it, I mean, if we haven't isolated, we haven't isolated, like I'm looking, is it like a whole strain we haven't isolated or is it, are you just looking at a a piece of it? I just make someone in layman's terms, how I would understand this. So we actually looked at the genes that they had connected to this virus. That's what we did. Sure. What they're using to make and manufacture the vaccine. I can't find that information Mm -hmm. anywhere. I can find the ingredients. 
I can find the theory and the the technology, excuse me, and the technology that they're using. I cannot find exactly what they're using as the gene sequence. And the fact that they're using a messenger RNA uh, type vaccine, I, I mean, number one, I don't know that they need to actually sequence the vaccine because traditional vaccines are made, they take the virus, right? Mm-hmm. Like an MMR or, or measles vaccine. They take the, the measles virus and they basically chop it up and then they weaken it kind of along the lines of homeopathy, right? So you're not really getting the virus, sure. you're getting the the energy of the virus, which is supposed to, you know, increase and and, and um, make your immune system work better and create an uh, immunity to it. Sure, sure. That's not how a messenger RNA, uh, an mRNA vaccine sure. works. The way that a messenger RNA vaccine works is they take the DNA from the virus, which we have, and they, which is a double helix, and then they strip that and they cut a small piece and they make messenger RNA that will attach to that DNA. So the problem with this is they take the messenger RNA and it's supposed to attach on this particular area of that DNA strand to to replicate uh, the part of the immune system that is supposed to target that virus. The problem is is that we don't know that that's exactly going to happen. And if your immune system isn't exactly like what they studied, then where the heck is that mRNA going to attach? Yeah. And yeah. that's the scary part. Yes, yeah, it's the, the one size fits all yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But um, so on the vaccine, you know, we do have what is it? The last seventeen years they've been spending trying to make uh, a vaccine for coronavirus, where they've ran into this thing called uh, hyper immunity. Is how I've. Oh yeah. Can you tell us what you know about that? Sure. Um, well, with coronavirus in general, they haven't a- ever a- haven't ever been able to to um, get the vaccine to be stable. So they can use it, but it doesn't actually garner immunity. Is what in the what they were using cold chain technology, I believe, in, in previously. So the same thing is happening here with the messenger RNA, just like I described. Because if the the mRNA attaches in the ribosome in a different area, which is part of the cell. You you can actually end up with high levels of autoimmune or anaphylactic type reactions mm-hmm. because it's kind of like turning a switch on um, that hasn't that doesn't have a ground is mm, how sure, I look sure. at it. You, you so, the light the light will still go on. You'll just burn the house down as well. Because <laughs> I heard you know I listen to High Wire a lot. I, so Dell's always having some uh, doctors yeah. explaining and how I understood it was that that they. They got the the immunity or they got the um, the antibodies were created and they're like, look, we have this, you know, it's working. And then Mm -hmm. when they were exposed to the virus, um, it's reacted. Instead, it attached and Mm -hmm. it attacked them way worse. And like many animals died and Mm -hmm. uh, they call it like a cytokine storm. Correct. Yeah. So. so the way I understood it is the, the vaccine, at least even from what I saw today, isn't garnering much in the way of immunity at sure, all. Sure. So which would make perfect sense with a lot of these viruses that mutate and replicate uh, very quickly sure. um, and kind of blindly. I mean, it's like survival of the fittest. So as sure. a virus, I would want to replicate and mutate pretty quickly, too, so I could find a more susceptible host as I moved along. It just makes perfect sense. Yeah. So because of the messenger RNA technology, that's correct. Uh, but lots of things cause a cytokine storm. Sure. Uh, strep infections can cause a cyt- sure. cytokine storm in the right uh, environment. A lot of the other vaccines do. A lot of pharmaceuticals do. Sure. So yes, because of the, the messenger RNA technology, 
technology and because we're watching it like a hawk, we are seeing crazy, crazy amounts of uh, anaphylaxis and, auto, and autoimmune and all kinds of immune problems for sure. Mm-hmm. It could almost, uh, you know, the, the only good thing I see out of what's going on right now is all eyes are kind of watching these pharmaceutical companies and watching how these vaccines are rolling out. So I think people yeah. are waking up to the fact that the vaccines aren't the safe and effective as they've been sold to us as. So, um, so that's, that's the only positive I would say going on right now. Um, but, um, as far as coronavirus though, is mm-hmm. if we'll stay on this one, you know, I, I, I'm interested to hear your perspective as well. I mean, as a doctor, from what I've heard, they've never asked doctors to report death the way they are with with the coronavirus. So that the numbers we're seeing aren't, you know, and we've heard the CDC has said only 6% of these deaths were actually only had the coronavirus and the rest of them had two, 2.5 comorbidities. Correct. So um, so as a doctor, it was, it was a surprise to you when you, they, they rolled this out? So, I mean, I had quite a bit of coronavirus in my practice, and I'm fairly certain that I had a, a dozens of patients in December, January, and February who sure. had it that weren't able and or capable of getting tested. In fact, I had a handful of pregnant women that came in, had a cough, you know, were very pregnant, you know, due in January and February, were coughing so bad they were peeing themselves, which is like one of those things that happens after yeah, you have more sure. than one baby. And, you know, they tested negative for flu A, flu B, for strep. They had the cough. They had had all the miserable symptoms and then they recovered in a week or so. And, and we didn't treat it any differently than I had treated a flu, you know, years past. Then of course, when all the media hit with coronavirus and really for me as a, as a doctor in a small practice with a bunch of other doctors, the contact tracing thing was what got my hackles up. So anybody that had any inkling of anything, I wouldn't let come in the office, not because I was concerned about the coronavirus, but because I was concerned that I would get contact trace and my practice would get shut yeah, down. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've seen the whole gamut. I had kids with it. I had adults with it. I really found that the older adults, the ones over uh, 70 and 80 struggled the most. Everybody had kind of, at least in my practice, the same symptoms. Most of them lost their sense of smell. They all had a cough. Uh, they all had a stuffy nose and most of them felt like they had the flu, you know, body aches and all that. The problem that I saw was uh, long term, you know, two, three months out that the, the older folks were really struggling with dementia. So and that was really the only, uh, I guess, side effect, quote unquote, that I saw that was different from flus in the past. And so we just manage those symptoms a little bit differently, but I don't think it was any more lethal. And I mean, my practice is a little, you know, it's a unique kind of demographic, sure. you know, we don't spread a lot of fear. We don't do a lot of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of bring my patients into the office. I tell them what they have to do. And I'm like, this is a terrible business plan for me, mm-hmm. but it's a great business plan for your health. Keep this stuff in your medicine yeah. cabinet. If you're sick more than three days, give me a call. So a lot of my patients kind of just doctored themselves during all of this yeah. and And um, I knew that they had been doing this confabulation with the statistics because I had been watching them like a hawk in Connecticut. And I consulted in a couple of hospitals very early on about some IV vitamin C treatment for ICU patients and things like that. So I knew really what was going on in the hospitals and it wasn't anything more terrible than when I was a nurse and working in Southern California, I remember a flu season being so bad in the nineties that we were treating patients. We had two and three vents in the uh, waiting room. We had staged the waiting room as hospital patient rooms in an ICU one year. 
I mean, that never made the news. Yeah. You know, we didn't get anything special or have to do special charting or wear special anything for those patients. I mean, this has all been going on for years with the flu. I mean, that's why every year you hear 36,000 people die, 86,000 people die, because the same formula is used by the CDC to confabulate and inflate these numbers. This year, they just, the problem was, is they weren't, um, they were much less manipulative and much less more much more open with how they were doing the new math that then people started to get really angry and upset about it but it's been going it's been going on for years they did the same thing with measles don't sure. you remember mm, yeah the magical measles vaccine <laughs> saved 21 million kids from dying of measles we were like when was that so yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's been going on. So that that didn't surprise me at all. What surprised me is how shocked people were about the fact that it was actually going on. I was like, no, we've been we've been doing mm -hmm. this for years. But mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've always known they've they've done that with the flu. They've you know because a lot of the flu deaths aren't the flu. They're um, no. you know pneumonia and other respiratory things. Yeah, cardio respiratory failure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, um, anyways, uh, so on coronavirus, though, so, you know, so we have death numbers that are doctored. And then we're using a PCR test. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yes. 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 The, the PCR test. And, and well, I mean, straight Carrie Mullis created it and mm -hmm. said, you know, this should never be used. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's, I would love to hear from you about the PCR test. So the PCR test again is done on amplification, right? Mm -hmm. So are we looking for a Q-tip? Are we looking for a cotton ball? Or are we looking for, a, you know, a gauze pad that's used in major trauma surgery? Mm -hmm. So depending on how the test is amplified will depend on what you're getting for results. So if you have a low level amplifi amplification, you can actually pick up, that means it's a very sen sensitive test that you can pick up somebody who has coronavirus antibodies. If you have a high level amplification, then you're missing, quote unquote, anybody that could technically be positive. Now, the problem with this is, is that we don't have any kind of benchmark as to what is useful for testing coronavirus, number one. Number two, when in ever our society in the last 5,000 years in this world, have you ever gone to a doctor to get a test for something when you have no symptoms yes. for it? I mean, exactly. it's yeah. the, the amount of manipulation here <laughs> makes me absolutely batty. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. And so the problem I'll with the, the, the PCR test is that it is absolutely flawed science. Yeah. So I have my own theory, right? So in the states that are staying locked down, mm -hmm. they're using a low level amplification test because they sure. want everybody to stay locked up and they want the case numbers to be high. Mm -hmm. But the states that they want their kids to play sports and they have a lot of college athletes and a lot of money invested in that, they're using the high level amplification. So they're not picking up the test. Because again, if you have a dog that kisses you on the mouth, if you you know have farm animals, if you've been exposed to coronavirus, the likelihood of it being picked up on a test is pretty high. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit, it's very, very flimsy science at best. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a team of scientists, I believe that were uh, countering the, the peer reviewed science that led to them using the PCR in Europe. And they said it was 97% false positives. <laughs> so, and I mean, we've heard, I mean, we've heard it. I mean, the world health organization, I think they said use uh, 45 cycles. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Fauci said no more than 35, you know, there's, there's just no standard. So the test really means nothing. So, right. um, so we Absolutely. have inflated numbers of mm -hmm. cases. We have the case demic 
And then on right. top of that, we have deaths that are being recorded and those numbers are being messed with as well. So I, I think we've been on that train, but I love, I love to hear, hear someone else uh, kind of confirm it as well. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. um, and what's crazy is it's all there in yeah. black and white. It's, it's even on the mainstream news, for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah. People are still wearing their face panties and hiding out in their house and, and calling Target to deliver their groceries. I mean, I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> One of the most interse uh, interesting intersections that I found just as of late, just diving into the PCR test, the PCR process, you know, and, and just the origins of it, you know, Kerry Mullis, Nobel Prize winner, and mm -hmm. just seeing how he has been intersecting with Fauci for a long time. Like, they go back a long way. Like, mm -hmm. they are bitter rivals. I had no idea. Like, it's interesting when you look up some of the questionable things around, like, the HIV AIDS uh, thing going all the way back 20, 30 years, yeah. you see yeah. Kerry Mullis, Dr. Fauci, like bitter enemies in that. It's so insane. Like who would have thought? And, and you think, I don't know, like my conspiracy mind is going off because it's like nothing happens by coincidence. So now we have the same players, the same pieces on the chessboard. And like, you know, Kerry yeah. Mullis just happens to die right before this whole thing kicks off. It's like, yeah. Yeah. and that, yeah. that really kind of opened my eyes quite a bit. <laughs> like yeah. we've, we've had yeah. We yeah. have an interesting week here in yeah. Oregon, too. Uh, yeah. Dr. Paul Thomas just lost his license, just had no it revoked. Kidding. And yeah. then um, I forget the, the there's an activist uh, mm. in, in that in the, the uh, medical freedom movement in Portland that was that just died at 47, just unexpected. Yeah. Brandy. Yeah. Yep. And yep. just it's just there's been a yeah. lot going on. It's they're really shutting us down. And I, I think I heard Kate Brown, our our governor over here, just basically offhandedly say that she will. Uh, mandate this vaccine yep. Mm -hmm. so, yep. so oh then, yeah let's can we talk about that yes all these absolutely. governors mandating a vaccine that hasn't even been released even to the exist. public yet yeah and yeah. and then they release it in england the the vaccine's out 48 hours and they already have a black box warning about anaphylactic reaction i'm wow. like what are we doing yeah 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 yeah. So New yeah. York too. New York said they were going to mandate it. And mm -hmm. Connecticut, I have to say, the governor who's already tried to remove religious exemption to vaccination in public schools and all of that a couple times mm -hmm. has said he's not going to mandate the vaccine. He, Interesting. But but you know, with with some of these you know deep state guys, the problem is is they say on paper they're not going to mandate it, right? Sure. But they have all their little you know underlings and their cronies that they've appointed in their cabinet. So he doesn't have to say he's going to mandate it. But, you know, Office of Early Childhood Education says you need a vaccine to go to preschool. Yep. Then the DPH, the Department of Public Health, says you need a vaccine to work in a hospital. Mm -hmm. Then we get, you know, the education department involved. And now you need a vaccine for public school. The governor washes his hands of the whole thing. So he looks like a good guy, but it's still going on in the organization. And that's what concerns me more, because there is no accountability for these appointed officials that get these big fat pensions, these big fat salaries. The, uh, you know, the one, the woman who runs the vaccine program in Connecticut is a a vet. She runs the vaccine program mm. for children and she's a vet by license. <laughs> wow. Interesting. So, oh, well, we're in the process of talking with Brian Festa with the Connecticut Freedom Alliance right now. We're trying yeah. to get, figure out, uh, yeah. you know, a schedule, you know, for his schedule and our schedule to work to yeah. sit down and have a conversation. But, uh, can you maybe like, did you have any associations with him and the work that they're doing? Yeah. yeah. You want to tell us a little yeah, about absolutely. that? Yeah, absolutely. I know him very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So he's a good guy. Yeah. I love I love a constitutional lawyer. They're my favorite. Absolutely. <laughs> so what, what kind of work did, did you do with them? So I was involved, you know, as a physician, I did a lot of the research and a, a lot of the education with legislature, uh, legislators and, and the cabinet officials in Connecticut, um, just because... It, 
when you go into a meeting and there's a physician that's sitting on your side of the table, it just makes the meeting go a little bit smoother. We had a very, very good meeting with the previous um, uh, Department of Public Health chair is a really nice guy. The, the new public health chair has already been replaced and there's somebody temporary in the in her position now or whoever it's going to be his going forward. So um, I've always worked as an advocate. I've been involved with medical freedom, you know, for a good number of years. And so it's just nice. There are several groups in Connecticut that over the years have kind of, you know, combined forces and, and we've put together events and things like that. So it's kind of nice. The problem is, it's just, it's super swampy. So you're really pushing uphill and you have very, very little representation because there's a lot of just rubber stamp politicians that are just going to go in there and vote the party line, which is, is tough for people who follow the constitution, especially in the constitution state. Yeah. Wow. But there, I mean, I would say, and I've always said our chance at overcoming this agenda is it lies with, with the medical freedom movements. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I see, I mean, I know in Oregon when they tried to bring, uh, you know, some, uh, last year, I mean, they're doing this across the country, but, uh, some mandates for, for vaccines mm-hmm. for children, there was thousands of people at the courthouse and, yeah. and th- they had never seen anything like that. And then that is, that's a story that's happening across the country. I mean, we just had, what was it, uh, a week or two ago where they, they put up the, the big banners across the freeways yeah. that, that said, uh, you know, that, uh, the manufacturers, of the vaccine will be exempt from liability mm-hmm. and people just mm-hmm. don't know this stuff. You know, I mean, we all know this, but th- there's, you know, uh, Joshua Coleman and, and that whole crew, they're really active and, and th- mm-hmm. there's protests and stuff being done across the country before all this happened and and they're very active today. So um, absolutely. Yeah. We in Connecticut, right before coronavirus hit Connecticut, we uh, testified for 22 hours straight. There was over 900 people that testified at the Capitol in Hartford about the they didn't want the, the medical exemption removed. Brian Festa's group was there. Our group was there. I mean, we just we had people who had babies sleeping on benches yeah. in the Capitol that were testifying at three, four or five in the morning. It was ridiculous. And sure enough, that bill still got voted out committee. I mean, and the, the same thing, you know, to your point, the same thing happened in Oregon. The same things happened in California several times where you have the testimony. We brought Dell in. We had Dr. Shiva Ayaduri. We had all these heavy hitters that came to Connecticut to help us out. It was freezing. We held a huge rally outside. I mean, it's the same thing, like you said, that's been going across the country. But the problem is, is, is when these pleas fall on deaf ears because behind the scenes, these pockets are getting greased or there's an agenda in place that's getting pushed. I mean, to, to your point, the same thing happened in New York. Don't you remember what happened in New York a couple of years ago? That their medical um, or their medical freedom bill got or got squashed or got pushed through House, Senate, into the governor's desk in eight hours. No public hearing, no nothing. They brought lawsuits against the fact that it was unlawful and unconstitutional to bring a bill like that that affected so many people and so many families. Uh, that also fell on deaf ears. I mean, that's the problem that we're up against. It's yeah. very, very scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that that just reminds me of um, uh, Barbara Lowe Fisher's story when the the 1986 Childhood Vaccination Act. It was the the second part where the doctors got their exemption. They they yep. did it in the, in the middle of the night on like I think Christmas Eve. Or they, yep. ooh, that old trick. Yeah, the old trick. Yeah. Like, we'll just sneak it in there, and so no one can, no one can say, no one's wiser, you know. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. So, and I would just, I would love to hear your, tell us what you think of vaccines. 
Just like, what is your honest opinion? Just, uh, you know, in general and specifics, whatever, however you want to lay it out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as a doctor, I definitely question the science a little mm-hmm. bit. I, you know, to, to, you know, just to be completely honest, I don't give vaccines in my practice. Sure. So I, you know, I feel like I can speak a little bit more freely about it, Sure, but I'm also not only as a physician, but I'm a constitutionalist who fully believes in in the protections that the Constitution has afforded us. And and I believe as humans, we are protected under the First Amendment to do what we want to do to our bodies as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. And I really feel like as a parent, you have complete control over what should and should not be done to your child's body, whether that is a different religion than the norm or a different, you know, philosophy on education as the norm. I mean, we all as humans have the common sense and shouldn't have to legislate, you know, things like abuse. Nobody should be abusing their children. I mean, but the problem is, is things like abuse are now veiled in, in some of these concepts and comments of, oh, you're, you're abusing your child. If you don't take them to the dentist, you're abusing your child. If you don't take them for routine medical care, when these were things that were never, ever a problem or never, ever, you know, could even condoned in society up until about 50 years ago with the Rockefeller model. So, and that's something that I found too, you know, I could speak to the science all day long. Yeah, I wrote yeah. my postdoc thesis for medical school 15 years ago on vaccines and, and the use of antibodies and how that predicated a lot of the autoimmune stuff yeah. that we're seeing in our in our population now. But what I found is doing all the lobbying I've done over the last you know decade or so is when you bring up the word vaccines, people have like absence seizures. You know, they turn into like these catatonic people. Like you can't even have that conversation. And whether it's because it's a cognitive dissonance thing, because it's a parent, if you've given your child a vaccine and then have to somehow rectify in your own head that potentially that harmed your child. I mean, even just saying those words really as a mother makes me feel physically ill. So I can't imagine somebody who has a vaccine injured child that has to rectify that. So sometimes it's easier to just say, the government wanted me to do it. It's the government's fault. It's the government's problem. And I'm just here to pick up the pieces and love the child that I have, which I think is one of the most heartbreaking things. I really do. Yeah. And Ed and I both have vac- had vaccine injured children. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is, and that's, and we talked about that on, uh, on another episode that we did where, you know, as a parent to come face to face with the fact that we've been lied to, or at the very least we've had pertinent information withheld from us. We are not giving informed consent because we are not informed by and large. Um, And by and large, the pediatricians that like you say, you know, the well child visits and make sure that they're in there all the time, whether they're sick or not. And they're getting this, this schedule of now what, you know, upwards of 69 vaccines um, Mm -hmm. and all of that, that we, we trust them as the quote unquote, lowercase G gods of our society. And they've been elevated to a position that, that they, that they, they don't need to hold. Um, And like you say, we're responsible for our, our, our own health. We're responsible for our well-being. And it's totally within our grasp and our ability to take care of ourselves. And while doctors can be and are often amazing healers, you know, there are car accidents. People fall out of trees. You know, there are actual injuries that need treatment and care. Um, mm-hmm. But to simply blanket over symptoms while making them worse um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, to trust that, you know, again, you know, new parents taking their babies, you know, this you know, as a new parent, we all know, you know what that's like, you're holding this new baby. And that's like, you know, your heart's on the outside of your body from when you have a new baby forward, right? It's never yours again. And so you do anything to protect 
that child. And here you're looking to this quote unquote God that's been sold to you to save and fix and protect my child while being disempowered and, and, and information withheld from us to actually effectively do that. And to finally, like, you know, I know in Ed's case and in my case to, to have had children that were injured by vaccines Mm -hmm. and then have to take ourselves backward and say, okay, wait, 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 wait. Uh, Now, with my discernment, I can say something's wrong here. Something's amiss. What am I not seeing? And what am I going to do to make sure this doesn't get worse, that I that I stop this in its tracks and that I can tell other people going forward that this is this is the truth about what's happening. And these are matters that and, and we talk about this all the time here. It doesn't take all that much peeling back of onion layers to really uncover the truth behind um, the yeah. whole vaccine agenda, the fact that the, that the vaccine companies have no liability whatsoever, and that doctors, by and large, are schooled by big pharma, owned, owned by big pharma. And so they're taught only one thing. And it goes back, like you say, to the whole Rockefeller agenda, um, yeah. coming in and, yeah. and, you know, with him, you know, and then we had, you know, what it spills over, you know, we're talking about autoimmune, immune uh, issues. Now, what about cancer? Then we have Rockefeller coming in with the American cancer society to, to cover all that up, you know, hiding all of the healing medicine, you know, it, the agenda is so deep. And, I, and that's the cognitive dissonance. And and we are yeah. really, and, and in the public school world, which America very much is, that the, everything that is filtered through, and they want our kids in school younger and younger and younger because they need them to be indoctrinated, these, these little sponges, these little minds, <laughs> they want them yeah. away from their parents' influence and be told the the narrative that they should have and be able to repeat the things that they're told to repeat and not to research that is certainly not mm. you know free thought in public school that's not something that's encouraged whatsoever and in fact it's often punished so anyways i get off track a little bit <laughs> no but <laughs> i hear you i totally hear you so, but anyway, so all, all that to say my kids are not in public school at all so. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, oh, no 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 you know it's just like you're handing them over to the devil i feel like yeah. You know, and yeah, it's absolutely. Um, the, the power really is ours. And I think that and, and you know, if we just look at this whole um, coronavirus, you know, issue and it's like with public schools and, and anything else, if the populace will simply say no more, there will be no more. Yeah. If we will pull the masks off collectively yeah. yes, and open yes. our businesses back up. There is no more uh, <laughs> pandemic because, and, and Ed has said this so perfectly before, but the mask is a visual, visual representation of this virus and these false positive Without tests and, and the contact tracers and, you know, all of this, you know, healthy yeah. people breathing is endangering everybody else. It, it, as soon as we pull those masks off, it becomes away. easier to remember that we're all human beings. Yeah, all, no, no, we can see that we're not sick. We can see we're interacting. We can see that life goes on despite the fact that there are illnesses and viruses in the world. And that is why the mandates. And- oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, it's so it's so funny. I, I agree with absolutely everything you said. And so like the rest of us, right? We The first two weeks, we were all good citizens, mm-hmm. right? We yeah. ordered our groceries. I, you know, I, we played games. I baked bread. And then I said to my husband, I remember sitting on the couch and I was like, listen, I was like, I'll be a good citizen's, citizen for two weeks. And then I'm going to lock and load. I said, because yeah. then I'll know that this whole thing Love is it. bullshit. Yeah. And so after that two 
yeah. weeks, went from two weeks to six weeks. And now we're like looking at, you know, nine months in and things like that. And I was like, I told you it was a sham then. And I know it's a sham now. And so I've been watching this whole thing. Right. And I'm like, OK, well, we've been locked up for six weeks. Is that enough for a revolution? Nope. Um, you know, now they're they're saying that we can't, you know, go to uh, amusement parks. Remember, the amusement parks yep. were all locked up all summer. Then it was there were all these big things that happened. So then. Right. They stopped selling alcohol on Thanksgiving in Pennsylvania. And <laughs> no. I'm on Twitter and I'm like, now we're going to have a revolution. Right. Like people are going to be pissed that they can't get to the beer store in Pennsylvania. Like, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. No freaking revolution. No. Like, what what is it? Yeah. Is it they have they really worked that effectively on calcifying everybody's pineal gland? They have that, you know, that the <sighs> fluoride levels are so high that people are sitting home in their safe space. I mean, yeah. I, I honestly can't. I honestly can't. I really can't. Yeah, I, I knew day one. I, I mean, I literally like I I I literally like called my kids uh, at the time we're in private school and I was like, oh, we're, we're in private school, certainly not going to obey this garbage. I knew day one when they said we were closing for two weeks, I think I might have told Scott, I was like, that's it. I yep. said, this is new world order. Yep. They are, we are that's not it. going yep. back. And now we're yep. like, you say we're nine months on two weeks to flatten the curb. Meanwhile, my children, because I refuse to mass them, I mean, there's been now that we're getting to be the ninth month and it's Christmas time. You know, I've taken them out with me a few times. But other than that, for nearly eight months, my kids were stuck in my neighborhood on my hill because I'm not going to be used as an arm of enslavement against my kids. I'm not masking my kids. I'm not opening them up to more, you know, attacks by pedophilia, pedophiles. The whole agenda, and that was, yeah. I think, where we lost ground. And I, I keep saying that of everything that they've rolled out against us, you know, if they had said at the beginning of the two weeks, oh, well, this is never going back to normal till you get this vaccine that we're going to force you to take or you're not going to be able to work, you're not going to be able and to drive, then. you're not going to be able to travel. Maybe people might have revolted at that, but if you do it slowly and in increments, mm -hmm. and where we lost the most ground is when they brainwashed families to use that mask on their children. That we didn't revolt right then, right then we lost so much ground. And all it really does take is everyone to shut off Facebook, to pull the masks <laughs> off, go back yeah. to work. When the health department comes through with their tickets, you rip them up and yeah. everybody goes on about their lives. It would take that and that only. Yep. Yeah. Who's gonna send, who's gonna give you a ticket? The defunded police? Right. Yep. The, I mean, half of the police force in our town is pa were patients of my husband in his chiropractic office. Yeah. He's like, we were told to stand down. We've been watching movies on our phones. We don't even pull people over for speeding tickets. You think yeah. we're going to go out and enforce crowd limits and, and no masking people, people that are not, not masked in Target? Sorry. Right. Yeah. Right. So totally, especially because, as you know, after everybody was locked up for two weeks, you know, then the abuse, the suicides, yeah. all yeah. of it. I mean, they That's were fighting despair. real crime and doing real investigations. But that whole kid thing. And I'm like you, like my kids don't wear a mask mm -hmm. anywhere. And here in Same Florida, here. like we don't have to. Yeah. And it was funny. I was at church the other night and there was a woman we were chatting and she says, oh, you know, I have to wear a mask when I go into Walmart. I was like, I don't. She's like, well, you have to wear a mask when you go into Target. I was like, I don't. And and so she said, well, how do you do it? And I was like, I walk in and they say, do you want a mask? And I said, no, thank you. Yeah, and, they, um, they won't let you get away with that here. They won't check you out. I've been thrown Mm -hmm. aggressively thrown out of a couple stores because I refuse to wear it. And, and, um, and I'm a survivor of sexual trauma. And so on principle, I literally sat with the director of one of the stores was explained and I shouldn't have to, that was, that's another yeah. part, you know, like I'm healed enough from it and I have faced a lot of demons that I can fairly comfortably talk about it. 
But yeah. not everybody can, and they shouldn't have to. Yeah. It shouldn't matter. I shouldn't have to be speaking to the store director of Albertsons in Eugene, Oregon, and explaining to her that I'm a survivor of sexual trauma and you know other kinds of issues in order to be able to go buy the chicken and the you know the rice that's sitting in my cart, um, right. and, and further to be humiliated in front of everyone and have to be like. Th literally thrown out of the store for fear of them physically removing me, but just, you know, yelling and, and it's awful. Yes, it's so. awful. Yeah. And, and they here, they've got security guards set up at almost yeah. any yeah. store. Now, if you yeah. walk in the first thing you're going to hit is security and they're there with a big station. And if you are not mass, they will aggressively, they, you're not coming in the stores here. And wow. our, our governor has uh, painted a pretty grim picture of, of, you know, the social virtue that is to be followed here. And by and large where we are, you know, Gene Oregon, this is such a a loss to the, you know, the other side, uh, ideals, um, in general. So, you know, people policing each other, um, I won't say where we were, but a few of us were somewhere last night gathered as a group and, you know, we're, we're leaving the building and noticing there's people with their phones out and, you know, somebody sees maybe that's a cop down the street watching. And so it makes me wonder, well, did somebody call? Cause there was too many cars at this particular place where i mean the, the the fact that it's like it's like we're we're like sneaking around yeah. and trying to remember that we have civil liberties and rights and then also trying to trust in the fact that we can still work for a living and travel for a living and go see each other when really we all sitting here pretty much knowing can feel that pretty soon no one's going to have jobs who doesn't take this vaccine and the thing that concerns me about the medical field like you mentioned uh, public health mandating it for, you know, frontline workers, um, is the people that the frontline workers who see this as garbage, who, who are going to refuse this vaccine, they're not going to be in the field anymore. Right. So all we are going to have when we do need help are the people who are staunchly standing on this upside down inverted agenda to enslave us. And that it, is terrifying. Yeah. Except, so I, I fully believe that God has his hand in this. Yes, and I agree that we are going to get marched right up to the cliff and he's going to be like, hold on there followers. You guys yeah. are going to turn around and the bad guys are going to go off the cliff. I, yes. you know, if I don't, then there'll be a completely different scenario for me, but yes. Yes. nonetheless, I truly believe that's what's going to happen. I do think people need to get completely pissed off and there is going yes. to have to be some sort of, you know, whether it, you know, I think there'll be bloodshed. That's the, I, I agree. I, yep. I agree with you. I absolutely think it's going there. And I feel like this is all, I mean, like you say that, you know, about the Lord having his hand in it. I couldn't agree yeah. more. And, you know, as I, I always keep going like, okay, well, this is like really revelation. We're like deep into revelation. Like you're right. We're watching the yeah. final book play out. Like when did I ever think I like a year ago, I was a hippie at a festival dancing with half my clothes on, you know what I mean? And now I'm, you know, fighting this, you know, coming war for my children yeah. Yeah. because I don't accept this on their behalf. Yeah. This, I didn't expect that I was going to be this, you know, this type of a warrior. And I absolutely expect and am prepared for bloodshed. I absolutely think that that yeah. is in the cards. And, and there's power in knowing that there are many of us, though we're being squashed on any uh, outlet where we might try to unite or to come together um, socially, at least online, um, there are a, a vast majority of us who are uh, very much willing and able to defend our families and have other outlets of protecting ourselves um, from this madness. But uh, we have a chiropractor when, when we're sick in our family, because of my vaccine injured child, what we started doing back then, when, well, they were telling us when she was going downhill and regressing and vomiting everywhere and couldn't walk anymore, they were saying, oh, that she probably has leukemia. 
That was what we got to hear. So of we course. Were, of course. It was yeah. leukemia, right? So I wasn't already stressed out, and now I'm more stressed out. And finally, my mother at the time said, you know, we just started seeing this chiropractor. My mother struggled with eczema, like, you know, terrible things, a lot mm -hmm. of skin conditions. And she said it cleared her up. And they were telling her about, you know, dietary, dietary changes and all these kind of things. And so I took my little sick baby into this chiropractor. And within 72 hours, she was keeping food down. Um, and we and we kept that as part of regimen. You know, we, we, we did other things, but that was like the crux. And then the, in the information and the education that we got through uh, that chiropractor. So now, um, again, unless, I mean, God forbid that there's a serious injury, but, you know, if anybody has an earache, if anybody's got, you know, tummy problems, um, anything like that, we, we go see the chiropractor. You know, we look at what we're eating. We look at what we're putting into them. And we look at environmental, too, because there's a lot of crap they spray in the air. Yeah. Sometimes yep. we're driving through, like, yep. a lot of grass seed fields around here, and they've been spraying poison all day. You know, we've yeah. got, you know, I have a, a son who struggles from uh, migraines pretty regularly. And so I know that it's environmental. And so we're trying to think, like, how to do all this. Um, but he is on the line with what you're saying, too. He's basically, last time we were in there, kind of uh, said the same thing. He said, I think that we're going to get, I think he actually used that note. He said, I think we're getting right up to the cliff. He said, but those of us are going to be saved from that and, and be yeah. pulled back from that. He said, and we just need to be prepared and love one another. So anyways, yeah. it's, it's good advice. It's, and it's, it's right. It is. And I do think, I mean, I have to say that too, that I do think that there's a very high vibration right now for the believers. And I think this whole episode has really kind of separated the wheat from the chaff in the sense that those people who were like, hmm, God, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure I'm going to go there are like, oh God, he's there and he's either going to help us through this if he's going to push us over the edge. Right. And I think that I can appreciate seeing, but I completely agree with you. I mean, even in my neighborhood alone, we're like, are we ready to go? Because we'll go. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yep, so, yep, yep. Uh, I had a question for you. So we've had a couple of listeners yeah. reach out. One in particular uh, is a nurse working at a hospital. Um <laughs> concerned saying like, I'm not going to take the vaccine. I'm worth And we're apparently the first people that they're coming for with the vaccine. So mm -hmm. do you have any words of wisdom or advice or words of hope for people in that situation? Uh, I would just honestly say I could pray for them. Yeah. I, there isn't because I saw what has really happened. I mean, when I was a nurse, you know, back in the nineties, um, which wasn't that long ago, right? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, yeah. established. It was 1980 was 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's the way I All see right. it. Yeah. That's totally. the new math, right? <laughs> um, so, Corona math. so, I mean, they said, Hey, we're offering flu shots. If you want one, go down to employee health. So three people went down there and the 50 of us didn't. And yeah. it was like, not a big deal. You come in and you'd have a, an introductory physical every time you changed hospital jobs. If you deferred it, it wasn't a big deal. Even 15 years ago with vaccines, right? I yeah. did a little bit of primary care at the beginning of my practice. I had a lot of patients who had babies in hospitals who said, I'm not doing the hepatitis B vaccine at birth. I'm going to follow up with my pediatrician. We're going to give it at four or six months of age. Okay, no problem. Have a great day. Now, if you do that in Connecticut, DCF comes to visit you in the hospital. Yep. I mean, the, the, there's oh been God. such a climate shift around yeah. that. And so my sister was going to get a per diem job. She's an accountant and, you know, she has a, you know, with accounting, there's a season that's really light. Sure. So she was just going to go and do like ordering in a kitchen, a, an offsite kitchen for a hospital system. Well, in order for her to do that job, she was required to have two vaccines. She doesn't ever see people. She was working at an offsite place and she wasn't she didn't even walk through the front door of the hospital 
So, you know, the problem again is not that the state is going to mandate it, but like you said, you know, if you don't sign up for the chips, you can't get on an airplane, you can't get a passport, you can't get a driver's license, you can't work your healthcare job. And that's the stuff that's really scary. So all I can say is for her, she should talk to her, that nurse should talk to her union about the fact that they're not going to stand for it. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know, it's, because there's safety in numbers. You know, when you're a man mm-hmm. alone, mm-hmm. you're a man alone, and and they'll they'll cut you off at the knees. They yeah. don't care. To target, but if yeah, to target, make an absolutely. example out of you so that everyone else is afraid to go where you dare to go. Exactly, yeah. because everybody else, and I quote, doesn't have a choice. I have a really good friend. She has two little kids. They're in like kindergarten and third grade. They're little, and kids were going back to school. I was like, you're not going to put masks on your kids and send them yeah. to school all day, are you? She, and her response, I don't have a choice. Mm. Yep. Wow. Yep. It's insane. Like these, these, these bastards are evil, man. They'll straight kill you, dude. Like yeah. if you step out of line. Well, isn't yeah. that the point? No. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that what they're yeah. kind of doing? Yeah. Like, so well, now I go back to, okay, well, we're talking about new world, new world order and agenda. And I'm reading all these studies about female sterilization coming out of this, you know, from Pfizer's COVID vaccine. Yeah. Um, in one, I mean, man. and yeah. we look back to Bill oh, Gates being yeah. a eugenicist yeah. and, and, you know, yeah. we look back at what Rockefeller stands for and we look at who's in charge of the world health organization and it's all so clear and it's right in the daylight in front of everybody's face um it, it's just it's appalling and they don't, hide. Yeah, they don't even hide they don't no and 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 everyone's still like you say sitting behind the curtains in their house and just waiting for you know the government yeah. who has our our best interest and like you say like suicide i lost my mother to suicide it's super super personal to me yeah and just uh, the day before thanksgiving a, a high school friend took her life also um, yeah. and during this lockdown and she just was struggling. It was just too much. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. acceptable. Like you say, uh, you know, no. the domestic violence that's gone through the roof, you know, people who are stuck with their abusers and don't have anybody to check in on them. It's so diabolical. Yeah. And the fact it that, is. you know, the whole virtue signaling, like you're killing other people. Well, let's talk about the actual deaths. Yeah. Let's talk right. about who's actually suffering. Let's talk about these children who aren't seen and not psychologically uh, developing the way that they ought to because of what they're being shielded from. And like you say, I have, if I have, whenever I'm at the store and they start wiping that counter down, I have to stop. I'm like, please don't, do, don't that. do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> no. Don't do that. I, that that's not no. what you're doing is stripping all the good things. Please don't do that. For yeah, my turn. Yeah. You wipe it exactly. between me and the next person. Yeah. I don't hold you liable. I'm wearing my stupid face thing. There's a plastic <laughs> thing between us. You're wearing your face thing. Don't yeah, wipe my counter. Can this, we just stop? It's, yeah. yeah, you know, no, and people, so these people aren't dying with suicide; they're dying from suicide. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Like, so. oh, that's like at Whole Foods, right? Like I go through the parking lot and purposely pick a cart that's yeah. been in the parking lot. Yep. Yeah, and so for then sure. I, I go in, yeah. and they're like, they have their toxic spray and their mask yeah. and their face shield. And they're like, "Ma'am, do you want me to?" I was like, "No, no." I was like, "I trust nature's, you know, antibacterial yep. spray much better." Yeah. And yep. I go in with my little yeah. cart. I mean, yeah. the really? reason why I'm not sick is because I handle all the dirty things. Yep. That's, That's right. I remember when I was <laughs> when my kids were little and they were sick all the time. I knew like and my mom, my mom was always like, you know, germ shielder. And so she's like, oh, you don't want to take them there. Well, you don't want to get them exposed to chicken pox. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I'm I'm fine with I want mm-hmm. that to happen. I want their immune systems to build up. It's it sucks when your baby's sick. Nobody wants their kid to be sick. Um, and you don't want them to hurt, but damn it, when their when their fevers are going up and you can tell they're they're beating this bacteria or they're beating this virus, you know their little bodies are doing what they're supposed to do. Human beings weren't meant to just live unscathed on the earth. We're gonna get sick, we're gonna get hurt. That's part of the human experience, and that's okay. That's the part that fear mongering that it's not okay 
to be unwell for a length of time or that it's not okay to be in recovery from, you know, not being well. I mean, it, these are lies that they tell us they to, to make us afraid. Doctors yeah. used to use fevers to cure yeah. things. That's so it. Fever, well, and, fever was a good thing. Yes. So was, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So my kids are, are 11 and 14. And I remember, like you said, so in spite of the fact that I was a doctor, I'm a doctor. When my kids were sick, when they were babies, I used to freak out. <laughs> yep. And course, honestly, yep. I used to call my mother and my mother was, you know, she's a, a, a daughter of an Italian immigrant. Nothing ever phased her. She's got a fever and leave her alone. And I remember my daughter at one point had a really high fever for a couple of days. She had roseola and I was like fit to be tied. Like this has got to be the worst illness ever. Uh, I'm a terrible parent. She got sick on my watch, blah, blah, blah. So I call one of my doctor friends and I was like, you just got to look at her. She's been screaming for like three days. Her fever's been 105. So my husband's like, and I'll tell you, this is one of the reasons why we're still married is because he is the guy who talks me out of a tree. Like I'm like, no, it's over. And he's like, she just needs an adjustment. It'll be fine. So I drag her to my friend's office. He's a physician. And I'm sitting in the parking lot waiting for him to, to come in to take a look at my sick, you know, you know, baby. Right. So sure enough, while we're sitting in the car, it was like seven in the morning, fever breaks, rash comes out. It's roseola. So I call him. I was like, I'm leaving. It's roseola. And he was like, I figured, I just figured you needed somebody (laughs) to, you know, for moral support. And that was kind of at the beginning of my medical career. And since then, anytime I get a call from one of my patients that goes through that, that I do the same thing for them that my husband and my mother did for me because I want my patients to trust the body, to trust the process, to understand that that fever is beneficial and those babies are building and garnering immunity and that there's nothing to be afraid of. And I said that in a movie that I was in called Real Immunity. I cried during it. It made me look a little bit like a wuss. But really, when you go through that with your baby and your baby comes out better on the other side, you're exhausted for a couple of days, but everybody feels like you've walked on water. And that is the real miracle. And then you see the Tylenol in the store and you're like, suckers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. because, because you don't need it. You yeah. know what yeah. I mean? Because you know what the body is capable of. And I think that's one of the things that this whole hyper hygienic, hyper fear, hyper, you know, take your baby to the doctor. So the doctor can tell you that it's well kind of mentality that we have done has evolved out of that maternal and paternal instinct. Yeah. And that ability yeah. to understand, just like you said, that, th- that the heal that the sick process and the healing process is beautiful. And it's something that our bodies are perfectly capable of doing. It Absolutely. is. It's yeah. true. It's oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so Dr. Berger, I know we're kind of running short on time here. I wanted to, uh, like, I feel like it would be, we would be neglecting our duty if we kind of move past. We kind of touched on it just a second ago, but I want to hear your uh, thoughts on the sterilant properties of now that maybe YouTube are at the end of the episode, maybe they've kind of not, they're not tuning in right now. You know what I'm saying? But uh, maybe yeah. the sterilant properties of this new Pfizer vaccine that we're seeing. Yeah. So there's an enzyme in there called synctin one that has a very, very high affinity for proteins in the placenta. Mm -hmm. So again, going back to the messenger RNA theory or or philosophy that we don't know if the messenger RNA is going to bind exactly where it needs to. So it has a much higher affinity to create and propagate autoimmunity. So if that happens and that protein is the one that's identified as being created for autoimmunity, that will create a problem in the placenta, Mm -hmm. which will create an autoimmune reaction. So 
the placenta can't form properly. Mm. It's very similar to the technology that they used in, in the tetanus vaccine in Africa when they put anti-HCG in there, mm. told everybody it was a magical vaccine and, and basically attempted to sterilize the population. God. So, I mean, is that, so, it? Is that what we're seeing? So, like, so with yeah. that, would you expect that we would see women simply not able to get pregnant or a lot of miscarriages because more of miscarriages, miscarriages going through the roof. Abruptions, yep. more problems with the placenta. So terrible traumatizing miscarriages, likely. Worse. Um, yes, not like the age. So it's funny. On, uh, so I'm, of course, in Facebook jail because you know, <laughs> Haven't we all been there? If I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're really telling the truth if you haven't been thrown in jail on Facebook. That's why our <laughs> posts are down because we always just repost your stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> I figured. I figured. Well, I repost your stuff. It's probably what got me warm. But I know. But I noticed um, that today one of my Facebook memories came up, and it apparently a year or two ago today was the day that the study came out about the HPV vaccine causing mm-hmm. uh, a secondary ovarian failure. Wow. And I was like, oh, they just hit us at all angles. So we have secondary ovarian failure. We have anti-HCG in the tetanus vaccine, and now we have signet one that'll create problems with the placenta. So again, the problem with the toxicity in the world is that it's not just, it's not one bad guy with like one bad idea. It is so multifaceted. It's, it's almost like a sieve. So if they don't catch you on the first layer, they'll catch you on the second layer. If they don't catch you on the second layer, they're just going to light it on fire and they'll catch you on the bottom. (laughs) And that's the scariest part. And if they don't catch you on the bottom, then they'll mandate it. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 totally. Wow. wow. Awesome. Well, Dr. Becker, thank you so much. Um, do you have any final thoughts? And then also I wanted to uh, tell us like where we can find you and how we can follow you to get more information. All right, sure. Um, do I have any final thoughts? I just, I want everybody to stay really hyper aware. Um, and uh, you need to lock and load, whether yeah. that's with yeah. your conscious or other things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we need to stay very, very aware and and kind of have that nonverbal communication with our neighbors about how we're going to move forward on this, because what is happening to us as a society is completely, completely intolerable. Yep. So, and so where great. you can find me is uh, drkendrabecker.com. Cool. Uh, I'm on Facebook generally restricted i'm on instagram (laughs) and i am updating my website so that's coming soon because we have a second office that we've opened in florida the land is free so when you guys want to come on down we can go to target and not wear a mask i love it yeah dude let's do it florida was an option that was on the table actually so wonderful wow Thank yeah. you so much Thank for so being much, here. Dr. This has Kim. been amazing. We really yeah. appreciate you. My pleasure. My cool. pleasure. We'll see, you, see you on the Union of the Unwanted again, right? Yeah. Yep, Monday. 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 Awesome. Monday. Yeah. We'll yeah. see you there. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, Dr. Becker, thank you so much. Thank Have a good you. night. My thank pleasure. You. you guys too. Good, yeah. good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, everybody, that was Dr. Kendra Becker. What yeah. an amazing yeah. interview. Such yeah. a wealth of information. Definitely find and follow her. Get all the information that you can. Show Thank notes, you. baby. Show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting in with us. I am Megan sitting here with my friends, Scott and Ed, and we wish all of you intellectual prosperity. Good night. Good night. Good pew, night. Pew, Trusilla.org. 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 Pew, pew. Trusilla. 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 Trusilla.